You know, sometimes we forget, after we've been Christians for a long time, that there are a lot of people that don't know the Lord. A lot of people that don't know His goodness. A lot of people that haven't had the chance to know Jesus Christ as we do. And that's why the church is here. So that we can tell others about the goodness of God and they can experience the same kind of life that we know in Him. Just gotta get myself together for a moment. Oh, it's about 
and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. So here's the scene. We've got this boat pulling up alongside at the shore, and a demon-possessed man is coming to meet Jesus. Now, demons uh, actually were angels at one time. Satan led a rebellion in heaven against God. And somehow he was able to promise a third of the angels something that they joined him in this rebellion. And when the fight started, it was over about the time it began. And all of them were cast out of heaven, down to the earth, and these fallen angels became demons. They are under Satan's authority, and they have power to possess people. They have power to inflict uh, pain on societies. Some of the terrible crimes that we see uh, against humanity are done by people who are possessed by demons. Now, if you had been one of Jesus' disciples, and you was there on the boat, and you see this, Naked man with chains hanging from his hands that he has bought or broken and from his feet running toward Jesus, what would you do? Get back on against nobody. Yes, you are. 
You know, some we can see this sometimes where we are prejudiced against people simply because they're from a different political party. You know you can't trust the Republicans. You know they're in a God and any of the Democrats. We are prejudiced against people when it comes to witnessing. How many of you have looked at a person and said, now I ain't going to be wasting my time. <laughs> All you did was just look at them. They could either be dressed a certain way, or they could have a beer can in their hand, or they could drive up in a Mercedes and look like they all got it all together. And you know, with all they got, they don't want to hear that by Jesus. How do we know? We don't. But our prejudice keeps us from doing what God calls us to do. And just like that, we, we want to run away from that divine man coming toward us. We want to run away from these other people. This man was isolated from others. He was homeless. He didn't know what it was to have a friend. Nobody was giving him the time of day. And yet, what did he do? He rushed to Jesus. Now I want us to realize that Jesus put himself in the place in order to be there for this man. Jesus didn't have to go over to the Garden of Gatherings. He could have landed further away from him. But he landed there because he wanted to meet this man. And sometimes God has us where we are because he wants us to meet this person. This naked, bruised, uncomfortable looking man asked one question that every one of us needs to ask again and again and again. And he asked, what do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? <clears throat> I want us to notice the contrast. The disciples, when they were in that boat, they saw Jesus do a miracle. They saw him calm the sea, stop the wind, stop the rain, everything. And they said, who is this? <clears throat> this demonic man, he hasn't seen any miracles. He hasn't seen anything. But his testimony is, Jesus, Son of the Most High God. Where did they find? 
And he had already started commanding the demons to come out of that man. I want us to realize the reason that man came to Jesus is because the love of Jesus was reaching out to the man behind the man and pulling him toward him. You see, these demons had been so powerful that they gave this man the strength to break open chains from his hands and feet. He had guards afraid to watch over him. He had people scared to go in his direction. But the demons couldn't stop this man from coming and responding to the love of Jesus Christ. No matter how much they wanted to isolate him. You see, the goal of every demon is to put us into bondage to something that keeps us from God's love. Something that keeps us from asking, what do you want with me? Some of us already know what God wants with us, but we don't want to do it. Amen? And sometimes we know what God wants us to give up. But we don't want to give it up. And the more we hold on to it, the tighter we hold on, the more of a foothold it gets in our lives. Almost every bondage we face begins with something small. How many of you have ever said, I'm only going to try it this one time? How many of us have said, the next time is going to be the last time? How many of us have said, surely I'm entitled to this one small vice? How many of us have said, God made me this way, so it must be all right? And how many of us have said, if God didn't want me to have it, why did he put it right here in front of me in the first place? You know, if you pick up any newspaper, you can see a life that's been destroyed because somebody believed a simple lie that started out as a thought in their brain. Now I want you to notice that Jesus didn't have a debate with this man about how he got into the situation. He just went ahead and attacked the problem that was holding the man back. He asked the man, he says, what is your name? The demon replied, Legion. This morning, if Jesus was here and he was asking, what is your name? to whatever it is inside of us that keeping us from going all the way with God, would we be able to name it? Would we be able to yell it out? Would we be able to confess it and repent it? The demon said his name was Legion because a legion was the largest unit of a Roman uh, army. It had somewhere between 2,000 to 6,000 soldiers. And these 2,000 to 6,000 demons start begging Jesus, don't send us into the place 
of the abyss. The abyss, if you read Revelation, you find that's where eventually Satan and all of his angels will be judged and thrown into for all eternity. Now I want you to notice the odds. 6,000 demons, one son of God. Who's in charge here? 6,001, and, and, and there's no doubt that Jesus is still in charge. The enemies of Christ knew whatever Jesus told them to do, they were going to have to do it. But Jesus does all things in turn. He knows that the final judgment for Satan and his angels has not come yet because he hasn't gone to the cross. He hasn't gotten the ultimate victory. So he doesn't try to send them to judgment early. He gives them permission to go into the pigs. Mark's gospel lets us know there were 2,000 pigs. They went into the pigs. The pigs said, we'd rather be dead than that of And so they rushed down the hill into the water, and all of them drowned. Scripture says the pigs drowned. Didn't say the demons drowned. The demons went somewhere else. Check your neighbor, make sure you didn't. He said, you noticed they were acting a little strange. Now, when those pigs ran down those herds, those people who were watching over the pigs, what do you think they were thinking? in order to 
Now, suppose you had been this man and you saw what all the people in the town said about Jesus, get out of here. Do you think they were going to welcome him with open arms? There was that fool that made us lose all our pigs. <laughs> they tell, he tells Jesus, he begs Jesus, Jesus, let me go with you and your disciples. No cause. I don't think any of us begged Jesus to follow him like that. But Jesus wouldn't allow him to do so. He gave him a much bigger task. He said, return home and tell how much God has done for you. The song, if I must say, be a witness. Tell of his goodness. You see, Jesus knew he wasn't coming back to the, to the Decapolis area. And he wanted a witness left behind of what he could do. And this man was willing to be that witness. Because verse 39 tells us, So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. Man, wouldn't you like it to be said of you went all over Warrensville Heights telling people how good God was. Went all the way over Shaker Heights. Went all the way over you. All the way over Cleveland. Tell them what God has done. Does any of us have that testimony right now? No. Is it something we ought to be striving for? Yes, it is. You know, you might say, you know, if I had been there, Pastor, I would not have treated that man like those other people treated him. Well, the reality is, we all are here in this story. But we are the very man that Jesus came to set free. How many of you know, before God, we are unclean, naked? Undesirable, unlovable. How many of you know the same things that had this man bound had us bound? Called sin. The good news about God is that even when we are all messed up, I don't know how Jesus does it. I don't know how Jesus loves me because he sees the rift behind the rift. But all these years, he still loved And all these years, he still loved you. And he's pulling you to himself. Some of you are just kicking every which way you can. Let me go, let me go. But the love of God wants to pull you in closer and closer to himself. Because God is at work in us long before we are at work or uh, we respond to him. One thing about Jesus, why he loved us, I'll, I'll never quite understand. The fact that he loves us, for that I am grateful. Because when he came to this planet to die for our sins, that meant for the first time we had the possibility a 
So that when Jesus died, and then three days later rose from the dead, not only did we have the possibility of having sins forgiven, we also had the possibility of a new power in our lives that can change us. You know, sometimes people think if I just try harder, I'm going to change. No, it's not a matter of trying harder. It's a matter of saying, Jesus, I cannot do this by myself. Let your Holy Spirit do it through me. And when we yield to his Holy Spirit, that's when we start to see changes take place in our lives. And if you fail, the good news about God is, he says, just get back up. Just get back up. Just get back up. And we start to experience his grace in ways we have never known before. What would you have me do, Jesus? He would have us admit, I need help. He would have us admit, I cannot do it by myself. He would have us admit, Jesus, without you, I have no hope. You know, one day we're going to stand before God, and God is going to ask us, where is our righteousness? And how many of you know what the Bible says about our righteousness? Says our righteousness is as filthy rags. So can you imagine God saying, "All the goodness I showed to you, what do you have in return?" And we say, "Look at these filthy rags." Who doesn't know you yet is their Lord and Savior.
that you're calling them to yourself. And that we are but a stopping point along the way in their journey as they seek to go closer to you. For that person who has stumbled today, let them know, God, that you can lift them back up and they can hold their head high as soon as they have repented and ask you to give them a fresh start. And for that person who just needs your grace to hang on a little bit longer, help them to see, oh God, you're on the way toward them, that you haven't forgotten about them either. Strengthen and encourage them. May we as a church be filled with your Holy Spirit. May we allow you to cause us to be the witness that you've called us to be. And Lord, may every one of us start to see people behind the person that we see. Someone for whom you lived and died and gave your life that we might be willing to be a witness for you no matter what the situation, no matter what the cost, that our community itself might be changed, that we'd be known as a place where souls get saved, 